0: Well, hello, ladies. Oh, it's really good, right after you know, you know, during my honeymoon to come back to to conservative, beautiful women like you guys. So thank you for making this honeymoon even better. So um, I'm really glad to be here and uh, to talk to you guys about why gun rights are women's rights. So, um, so just a few months ago, and it's passed since the midterms, and one thing is clear. Democrats are as determined to promote gun control as ever before. Representative Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has vowed to take action on common sense background checks to prevent guns going into the wrong hands. In her words, gun control will be a priority for us in the next Congress. One would have to be blind to not see that the gun control debate will again be a priority in the Democratic presidential nomination elections. Show of hands. Someone, you guys, show of hands of telling me who actually watched the debate just a couple of days ago, or the last couple of days. Okay. Yeah, so you guys know the circus that's going on right now. <laughs> Um, thankfully, I was getting married, so I didn't have to watch that, but we already know <laughs> we already know that it's going to continue to be that way, and that gun control, more than ever before, will be something that they're going to be talking about. Are, you good. Yeah. But you don't have to spend time talking or watching um, or listening to the news on the national level to hear the progressive agenda for gun control. Probably now, more than ever before, the gun control movement is rampant on the state level. From the push to change the uh, rightful purchase age from 18 to 21, which began in Florida, to the so-called red flag laws newly passed in Colorado that spits on the right to due process in the courts. The left has suddenly become a big fan of states' rights when it comes to the effort to curb our Second Amendment right. Jason Crow, a newly elected Democratic House member from Colorado, put it this way, Our community has been disproportionately impacted by gun violence over the years. From the Aurora Theater shooting to Columbine. He then promised to do something about it. Unfortunately, what Democrats want to do about this so-called gun violence won't make Americans safer. Restricting access to firearms will only make us less safe as we lose the ability to properly defend ourselves. The left glorifies feminism, but gun control is disproportionately harmful to women like me who depend on firearms as the great equalizer in a threatening situation. The left's obsession with gun control is part of the reason why I dedicate my life to empowering and educating Americans about the Second Amendment and how it helps save lives every single day. That's why I started Empowered, a movement of women across the country who believe that firearms are empowering to women. Whether you're a college student, a tenured professor, or a mother visiting her child on a college campus, having the ability to properly utilize a firearm for self-defense is not only a right, it's true female empowerment. For the record, I didn't always believe this way. I didn't always appreciate the power of a gun as a self-defense mechanism as the great equalizer. That's probably because I didn't really grow up around firearms. In fact, I didn't grow up around much at all. My family, we grew up on reduced, uh, reduced lunches and received Christmas presents from the Angel Tree program, which is a program for um, children who of uh, prisoners um, currently. When I was young, my father was sent away to prison for 20 years leaving me without a male role model. My mother, a Nigerian immigrant, took it upon herself to raise me and my three siblings. To this day, my mom is the greatest feminist I've ever known. She kept our household together through strength and love. Following in her footsteps, it didn't take long for me to become a feminist too. From a young age, I wanted women to have all the rights and all the opportunities that men have. In graduate school, I became a student and then later a teacher of feminism, teaching inner-city high school girls about the feminist movement and its impact on public policy. Being a student of history, I came to realize that the ghost of feminism past barely resembles the feminism that we see today. Modern-day feminism has little in common with those like Susan B. Anthony, who played a pivotal role in the women's suffrage movement during the 19th century. Fun fact, Anthony was passionately pro-life, even calling abortion, child murder. Can you imagine today's hashtag MeToo feminists saying something like that today? It just wouldn't happen. And so, I grew more and more disenchanted with modern day feminism. The sort of liberal feminism that the hashtag MeToo movement has thrown into the spotlight. I came to see today's feminism for what it was. A political movement that treats women as victims and scapegoats feminism for what it was. Feminism isn't pro-women anymore, it's just vindictively anti-men. Terms like patriarchy are thrown around with no context and no justification whatsoever. Of course, this is not to say that there are no evil men in this world. There are plenty of them. But guess what? There are evil women, too. Sexual assault is indeed an issue in our society. I myself am a sexual assault survivor, so I know firsthand that sexual violence of any kind is disgusting and deplorable. I know how sexual assault can ruin lives. It changed mine forever. But I now realize that the modern feminist movement places too much emphasis on the perpetrator and life after a sexual assault. It places far too little emphasis on a woman's life before the assault and how the assault could have been prevented. If sexual violence is indeed disgusting and deplorable, shouldn't women be able to defend themselves from it? I asked myself, what could I do as a woman to stop a man from assaulting me? The answer became clearer and clearer. The right to bear arms. Firearms are the great equalizer. Leveling the playing field of women who are physically inferior to men. The realization transformed me into the Second Amendment advocate that I am today. In graduate school, I wanted to be able to choose how I defended myself and where. But living on a college campus, I couldn't choose either. Conceal Carry was not an option. So I made it a mission to make Conceal Carry an option for women across the country. The hashtag MeToo movement steals the headlines these days, but I'm more interested in the hashtag Not Me movement. The movement to promote self-defense, protect women from harm, and prevent tragedies like sexual assault, from ever taking place. Unfortunately, there's a lot of work still to do. Just a few months ago, in my home state of Texas, a woman was sexually assaulted by an armed man near the Texas Medical Center in Houston. She was forced into a van, her clothes were ripped off, and she was unarmed. Later that month, a University of North Florida student was sexually assaulted at an on-campus housing center. She went to a college party where she was drugged, then physically assaulted and abused. She was unarmed. A couple of years ago, a female student was kidnapped at gunpoint at the University of Las Vegas, Nevada parking garage. She was sexually assaulted at a separate location only getting away, and this is a part that the media is not going to ever publicize, only getting away when she took his gun and fled. I ask you, why wasn't she in a situation where she could use her own gun to protect herself? Tragedies like these strike far too often. In 2008, Amanda Collins, a UNLV student and concealed carry permit holder, was assaulted by a serial rapist in a parking garage. That same rapist would go on to rape and murder a young woman after Amanda. Again, why didn't she have a means to protect herself? Let me share one more heartbreaking story with you. The story of Savannah Linquist, which I've, been, I've received permission to, to talk about this story. Two years ago, Savannah was a senior at Temple University in Philadelphia, her dream school. One night, she invited a man who was casually da- she was casually dating to her off-campus apartment. She thought that she could trust him. She was wrong. Within hours, the man pushed Savannah onto her bed where, she raped, where he raped her. Savannah tried to fight back, but the man was carrying a pocket knife, so she felt powerless. Only one thing could have prevented the rape from taking place, a gun. In fact, Savannah had grown up around guns. She owned a pistol back home, hundreds of miles away in Virginia. But Temple University prohibited concealed carry. So Savannah's gun was 300 miles away during her senior year. 300 miles away when the man raped her. Notice a trend here? Let me put the tragedy in Savannah's words, and I'm quoting now. I knew it was going to happen, but I was defenseless. My gun was 300 miles away in Virginia I had and still have a concealed carry permit, but my Second Amendment rights didn't exist on my college campus. I begged him to stop, but he ripped off my clothes and raped me. That's right. Quote, my Second Amendment rights didn't exist on my college campus. This is unacceptable in the United States of America. Gun-free zones do nothing but leave innocent women like Savannah, like me, like all of you, vulnerable in the face of danger. Criminals are essentially given a free pass to commit crimes, some of the most heinous crimes imaginable. Let me ask you, how would these women's lives be different if they were armed? if they were able to protect themselves. Would they carry the physical and emotional scars that they do now? That we'll never know is tragic in itself. That's why I never stopped fighting for concealed carry permits in Florida and Texas and across the country to protect women like Savannah, women in the audience tonight. Gun rights are women's rights. Only firearms can establish a physical parity between the sexes. I'll leave you with good news. It's possible. We can get there. A safer America where self-defense is accessible to all. My organization, Empowered, will do its best to get us there. To keep us fighting for concealed carry on college campuses. We will keep fighting for gun rights that not only give women protection, but also hope for the future. Defending the Second Amendment, ladies, is a feminist issue. The way I see it, it's impossible to be a feminist without believing so. Because the right to bear arms defends millions of women every single year. Don't let, gun, let anti-gun Democrats tell you otherwise. Don't pin all your hopes on the hashtag MeToo movement. Let's focus on the hashtag Not Me movement. Because armed Americans are safe Americans. But ladies, even more importantly, armed women are safe women. Thank you. If anyone has any questions for Antonia, you can come back here and line up next to this pink X. Hi, just say your name and where you're from and then ask your question. Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Kate, and I'm actually from Texas, oh, and awesome. I go to college in Texas. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, some of the work that you've been doing, and like actually how you were able to get to the point um, where we can have concealed carry uh, on campuses there. Yeah, um, where, where in Texas are you from? I go to Angelo State University, so it's like the West Texas area. Okay, all right, cool. Well, i didn't have no, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. Texan. Um. Yeah. So. It was a lot of things, and that's definitely not just me, it was definitely other, other organizations that were really pushing for it. When I got into the movement, it was 2015. Um, this was the third time that we were trying to pass uh, campus carry and, uh, through the state legisl- legislators. So, um, and in Texas, we have um, our session every other year, not every year, like most states. So, um, yeah, that's one thing there is that people, tend to think that, oh, it's Texas, of course, they're going to be a pro-gun state. Uh, there are many other things that I can talk about that we are not pro-gun on, including not passing constitutional carry this time, but um, it did take three times in, in order for us to actually pass campus carry. And really, just like any type of legislation, it's pushing it through and talking by talking to your state legislators, uh, by you know, creating relationships with them, but most importantly, really, to bring it to the public. Because at the end of the day, people think it's Texas and it's fine. We don't need anybody to push it through. But we have to have people educate on the fact that just because you're a pro-gun state doesn't mean that you're, and you, I'm sure you guys know this with your, your uh, administrators on your campus, that most of the administrators, regardless of how Southern or conservative the state is, uh, tends to be very anti-gun because they are very authoritarian in the thinking that They don't trust you as an individual, even though you're an adult, to be able to protect yourself. But yet, you see all these crimes happening on campus. And so the problem is, is that it's a business and they don't want people to know that because then the parents wouldn't let their students go to that school. So it's up to us and it was up to me and the other organizations to bring that to life, to say that if you are really about empowering me as an individual, um, empowering me as a student and you want me to be safe, then if you're al- allowing me to conceal carry off campus, I should have that same right to have um, protection on campus because you're not doing a very good job. And so we did a lot of that and a lot of just showing pe- the public of what was truly the situation on college campuses and that we are best to protect ourselves. So that's what we did a lot of. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. My name is Renee. I go to Biola University Hi. in California. Thank you so much for talking uh, to us today Absolutely. And congratulations. Thank you. I um, My question is a little bit twofold. One is, what are common myths that you think is important that we'd be able to refute um, when we're talking to our peers and, and winsomely and well and engaging that? Um, and then also how would you respond if, if we were to talk about more self-defense? Why Guns in particular, over other self defense methods? Hmm. Okay, so for the first one, um, wow, the, I get that question a lot and it usually depends, but in the context of college campuses or in just women in general, um, I think that's one part of it is that we unfortunately, so many people believe that they're in this false, this uh, safe bubble on college campuses that, you know, we paid for the right to be safe on college campuses and therefore um, we're gonna be safe. And that's just not true. Unfortunately, that's just not the world um, that we live in. Um, And so uh, I think showing that aspect of things, you know, talking about the instances, like I talked about in my speech of the people who unfortunately didn't realize that until it was too late for them and how how having a concealed carry permit and having the ability to protect themselves on campus could have saved those lives. I think, at the end of the day, testimonies are really what changes hearts and minds. Um, you can bring out all the facts, and there's plenty of facts and data behind um, concealed carry permit holders, for one, one of b- being the most law-abiding um, population. In fact, in 2005, in Texas, we used that. In 2005, they did a study showing that the concealed carry permit holder population is actually um, more law-abiding than the regular general population. Um, So things like that uh, really help people feel, because there's so much misinformation out there that they're watching listening to in the the media and the news, that they're really fearful and scared because of the facts that are not really presented to them that would actually give them the case that, you know what, I can't trust law-abiding, I can't trust concealed carry permit holders to be safe with that firearm that they have, but also that they're not going to do something to harm me. But also in the, in the future, if I do need someone to help me or protect me, that I can look to them to protect me. So I think that's really the biggest thing is using those facts to show that we are law-abiding people, that we are safe people, and that you really want us, you want those people on your side when something happens because this is the world and something's going to happen. Um, and then the the second question, I think, can you repeat that? Yeah, just um, why would why? How do you respond to people saying, "Well, there's other self defense oh, methods." Oh yeah, yeah. So and that's and that's one thing I've always been very open to is that look, no one's telling the, telling you that you have to have a firearm. Um, in fact, I don't want you to have one unless you um, unless you are going to take the responsibility of how to use it and use it safely. That's just. That's the gun community. That's always been our, our mantra, is to use things safely. But um, at the end of the day, uh, a firearm versus pepper spray or pepper blaster, which they're great means of other self-defense tools, are non-lethal, or taser, um, the gun is always going to win. It will always win, and that is why criminals use that. You don't see them using pepper spray. You don't see them using tasers, usually. It's usually, unfortunately, the gun point because they're going to go to the the fastest means of being able to intimidate and threaten you. Um, so, you need an equalizer, and that is why um, a gun is a great equalizer, and you only have to use it if you want to. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, my name is Sydney Smalling. Um, I'm okay. from Missouri and I go to Mizzou. Um, I'm also in the School of Journalism, so awesome. um, it's I'm kind of an oddball being a conservative there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So my question for you is, um, obviously we have an issue with like campus shootings, mass shootings. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think allowing um, concealed carry-on campuses can deter that problem? Yeah, so the reason why people, or in general, it doesn't have to be a college campus, but college campuses are one of the biggest targets because it's a complete, uh, a total area, um, way bigger than a mall or any other type of, you know, um, establishment where they know for sure that it's a gun-free zone and in general 90, over 97% of, of mass shootings happen um, in gun-free zones so it doesn't matter where, where you are if the crime if the criminal knows that they're going to be going into a place where, where those that they want to harm are able to, they're able to do so as fast as they can and as much as as many times as they can in a really uh, small amount of time they're gonna to go to that place and that's a gun-free zone so um, that alone is why criminals are going there so if they they're, they're gonna be deterred from going to a college campus where they know that they're not only people who have firearms but there are people who have firearms that are concealed and they don't know who they're gonna who's gonna come out with one if they try to harm somebody so it only deters more criminals because criminals are are, are not dumb in the fact that they don't want to go to a place where they're immediately going to be stopped if they try to um, try to harm somebody thank you so much thank you hi I'm Chloe Schumacher and I also go to Mizzou um, my question for you is Maybe a little off topic, but I know that you have a background in pageants, and (laughs) um, I really want to compete for Miss Missouri USA at some point in my life, and I just wanted to know if you ever felt a bias toward you for being a conservative, or having conservative opinions, being, or thinking like guns empower women, or is it connected to the pro-life movement? Oh yeah, unfortunately, ladies, I mean, if you guys watch Miss USA or Miss America, Um, You guys already know by the questions that it is not a conservative-friendly environment even there, not even the pageants. I will tell you, behind the scenes, it is very conservative. They just have, um, unfortunately, have a reputation to um, uphold. Not the right reputation, I will say. But I did compete in Miss Texas USA last year, so thank you for bringing up pageants. but uh, yeah, I, was, I did that on the terms of I was going to be true to myself and I was going to stick to my platform, which was gun rights or women's rights. And I remember um, going to the Miss Dallas uh, panel, and the guy literally told me, and he wrote, I got trust me, I got all the notes, all in red, telling me that this is too pro-gun, and this is too conservative, and this is too pro- pro-gun. I actually said, um, one of the questions was, who is a female, a historic female that you admire. I put Margaret Thatcher and, you know, all hell broke loose. <laughs> uh, literally, he wrote across, he said, this is too pro-gun to am Like, pretty sure it was he's, she wasn't really talking about guns in England, but, um, sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I actually, that was something I was very vocal about, uh, was the bias against people who women who, um, and, and of course, right now, this is what they're all talking about is feminism and being female, for female empowerment, especially Miss USA, but if you talk about being pro-life or being pro-gun, that's when it's too much. Um, so I did not win Miss Texas USA, <laughs> let's just say that, um, but I did have a lot of people come up to me and tell me that I was brave to stick to my platform and that they wished that they could be vocal about that. So. Unfortunately, sometimes in this world, even the pageant world, saying things like that, talking about being conservative is not something that's popular. But I believe if we don't have more people who are representing us in those arenas and where I don't become a, you know, not an anomaly anymore, then it will continue to, to get worse and it will be something where our voices are drowned out. So I think it's important that you speak up even if it means that one time maybe Maybe the next time too that you're not gonna win, but at least you're changing hearts and minds in that environment and and emboldening other women who hear you to also speak that truth as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Sophia. I'm from Utah, and hey. I actually I competitive pistol shooters, so I really awesome. appreciate the work you're doing for women. It's so awesome. So I was wondering if you could like speak to. Um, what you like to carry, like, and the pros and cons between like semi-automatics and like, revolvers. Oh, okay. I will say I've not, I've never carried a revolver, so I can't tell you how that is day to day. I will give advice on that. People always ask me all the time, uh, what's you know, what's a good first gun? What's you know, what do you carry? I, I carry usually my everyday carry is a Kimber um, Bella R 380. Um just because I like to I mean the gun world is changing ladies but it still has a lot of work to do, let's just say. Um so I carry 380 just because of the frame, because it's something that is concealable for most of the clothes that I wear. I, I'm a dress girl. I'm sure a lot of you girls are dress girls. So um, when I do wear dresses, I usually thigh carry, and it's just a lot harder to carry a 45 than a 380. <laughs> I will tell you guys that. Um, and usually you can, it prints. So um, for me, I have a 380, but I say find something that is going to be um, accessible what you wear. You guys know what you wear, so you know what's best for that but then also something you know you're gonna use every day. If you have a 45 and you feel that comfortable wearing that every day, then wear a 45 because you know what, 40 have, 45 has a great stopping power and that's important when it comes to the, the aspect of self-defense. Um, but you know, a nine is very common too and tends to have a smaller, you know, thinner frame that a lot of girls tend to use um, more often when they carry. So okay. that's okay as well. Um, but yeah, I, I carry a 380. And then I know it was another question that you asked, too. What was that? Is that it? OK. All right, yeah. Kimber, Bellar, Bell, 380. Tiffany, Blue. <laughs> uh, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Kier, and I'm from South Dakota. In recent uh, Democrat debates, uh, one of the candidates mentioned that you should have a license to own a gun, much like to drive a car. What are your thoughts on this? Hmm. OK you said you should have a license to own a gun much like much they, they were advocating for that yes mm-hmm. like similar to like you have license to oh, drive a car so okay so i'm thinking that they were talking about the only time that that's ever been used as a similarity is usually um oh i see meaning like that is it sh- should be a privilege is that what they were saying i can't say them. Be advocating for something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Which yeah. So why it's not like a driver's license is that a driver's license is a privilege. Uh, your right to carry to keep and bear arms is a right. Um, is it a God-given right? It is not. Um, it is not something that the government gives you and issues you like a, a license and an ID. So no, I would say make sure that you those type of narratives where they it, may, it sounds like it should be something that you know everyone should agree with. Um, at the end of the day then when they always try to compare that you know the car and the driver's license to um, your, your gun rights it is Your a car is not god-given um, Your right to your privilege to drive is not god-given your second amendment right is god-given And so it's not going to be issued by the government. It's only supposed to be protected by the government. So yeah Thank you, Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, hey! Okay, I have four questions. Okay. Okay, so um, the first one is how did you get involved in your Second Amendment activism? Okay, I got involved um, actually through the feminist movement because I finally realized that there was a part of the narrative and the rhetoric that was missing. It didn't go far enough. If I really wanted to protect my peers and the girls around me and myself, then why wouldn't I have the right to protect myself with a firearm? So I finally realized that the left was purposely keeping that from us because that wasn't really what their goal was. It was to push a radical leftist agenda and not really be about empowering women to the fullest abilities that they can. So that's why I got into the gun rights movement. Um, The second one is what is your turning point? into becoming conservative and speaking out? Ooh, I like that turning point plug in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was my turning point to getting conservative? Um, several different things. Um, but I think what I became really passionate about, because it affects me the most, is be- is the gun rights issue, because I saw the hypocrisy and the left with that and started to realize if they were lying to me about this and really keeping me from really seeing this issue for what it was, which was a really a true feminist issue, then what are other things that they're really, you know, trying to hide from me as well? And I set, are, started digging in on things from as boring as taxes to um, the pro-life movement of you know, if I really am about empowering other women, then why am I going to advocate for something that truly disempowers other women from even being born? So, different things like that, different issues made me realize that, you know what, I'm not I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a progressive, I'm a conservative and, and this is really truly where I'm going to feel most empowered. Okay. Um- my third question is, <laughs> I see that she was gonna run for office, but um, some things happened. So, oh, are you gonna? Uh, and run... by the way. That's what yes. <laughs> So, are you gonna run for Congress then? Oh, okay, <laughs> that's where it was coming from. Um, I am. I just newly married, so <laughs> I'm trying to just get you know through my honeymoon. <laughs> um. I don't know. I I think I would like to in the future definitely. Um, I am involved. um, I'm the Young Republican National Committee woman for Colorado so I'm doing a lot of stuff on that level Um, and I am passionate about policy but um, will I run for office? I'm not sure, I'm open to it. So, thank you. Okay, and um, my last question yes. is, is so that, like may I please go, to go to shooting switch. with you in Chicago? <laughs> yes, you can. Come to Colorado, girl, yeah, we're gonna, gonna go shoot. <laughs> also, congratulations. Thank you so much, it's so good to see you. <laughs> One more round of applause for Antonia. So one thing, um, so Empowered is looking for interns as well. We're still taking interns for the summer and for the fall. So if you would like to intern for Empowered, um, email intern at empowered2a.org. So some really big things happening with that as well, and I can't wait for you guys to, to uh, be a part of it. So thank you guys so much, and you guys have a great rest of the day. <laughs>